Good morning, everyone. My name is Heather Moreno, and you are in Small Steps, Big Results. Are everyone in the right place? All right, good. If you're not, don't be embarrassed. You can slink out right now. Not slink out. That wasn't the right term, right? That made you feel bad. You can get up and freely walk out if you're in the wrong room. All right, awesome. Ah, I see one more person coming here. We've got handouts over on the right if, um, if you haven't gotten any yet. Everybody good? All right, cool. Good morning. So it was May 1st of 1996, and I'm sitting on a beach in Southern California, and I'm wondering how I'm going to get out of there. I feel stuck. I had spent years getting my degree in accounting, getting a CPA license, and I was working for KPMG, one of the big six accounting firms. Now they're big four, so I date myself a little bit when I say that. I was in a career that I didn't want to spend one more day in, but what could I do? It was simple. I wanted to leave the firm within three months, and I wanted to sign on my first client by that time, too. Looking back, I had no idea how that could happen. I just wrote it out, and I prayed, and cried a bit, as is typical. Not of me. That didn't sound right, did it? But it was hard. And less than three months later, I found myself giving my notice at KPMG, I had found part-time work to pay the bills while I started up my own business. And I had signed on my first client by that time, too. So this big step didn't come out of nowhere. It was actually a series of small steps along the way. There was a lot of not knowing what to do. There was a lot of frustration, a lot of heartache, and, well, yeah, I guess a lot of tears along the road. And even after I made the big leap, things got even harder. And the thing is, even now, if I'm not paying attention, self-doubt, negative thoughts, and too many priorities can stress me out. And the thing is, I've found ways to deal with these challenges so that they're not the drivers of my life, and they don't sidetrack me from what's most important. And those are the kind of things that I'm going to share with you this morning. Does that sound good? Okay, awesome. So we're talking about... So we're talking about small steps, big results. And that means we're going to first of all talk about how to cut through the noise, identifying distorted thinking. Secondly, we're going to look at seeking truth, God's perspective. And then finally, look at the key to developing positive habits for greater satisfaction and well-being. We're going to interact this morning. So you've got two separate handouts. One is stapled. It's black and white. That's where we're going to do some work this morning. Okay, you've got three separate handouts on there. If you flip it over to the very back, you've got a blank page if you want to take some extra notes. That's always helpful, I know. And then the second handout is color, and that's where I give out some free stuff. My focus today is very broad to your, to your whole life, and you'll be choosing where you want to focus today. My emphasis in what I do is on health and wellness. And so if that's something that interests you, I have some freebies that I give away there. Go ahead and put your name and email at the bottom and hand that in to me at the end, and I'll make sure that you get those. All right, I'm going to start by giving away the end. Be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. If you can ingrain this truth, the work that we do together will be very, very powerful. So we're talking about small steps today. And small steps are essentially habits. And every small step, whether positive or negative, 
leads you towards greater joy, peace, and well-being, or towards dis-ease, dissatisfaction, and frustration. Have you ever promised yourself that you'd do something, like, say, exercise, only to end up not doing it? Or just the opposite, to promise yourself you're not going to spend any more money on frivolous items, only to come home justifying a brand new pair of shoes? We've all done that. And how many of you know, for the most part, what it is that you need to be doing? Like, generally speaking, or maybe what you need to stop doing. We all have a sense of what that is. Why, then, is it so hard to start new habits or break old ones? Why do you think? It's because it's not comfortable. Change. change is not comfortable. Yeah, that's very, yeah. That kind of encompasses it, doesn't it? Procrastinating. There's always tomorrow. There's always tomorrow. So what we know is the thing is that knowing what to do doesn't automatically lead to results because of these other things. So the small business that I started back in 1996 was as a personal trainer. And so at the time, I was really passionate, well, and still am today, about pe having, helping people to have the energy and the health to really thrive in life. And so I set out so excited with all the passion that I was going to right, change the world. I was in my 20s. Any of you still here in your 20s? Keep that passion. Like, it's amazing. Keep that passion. You know, 30 years later, you're like, huh. Okay. <laughs> so my, my, my excitement was that I was going to get these clients and I was going to make them successful. Well, I realized I can't make anyone do anything. So I noticed that some clients were successful. They took the plans that we made, carried them out, got results. Others didn't. Why? What was the difference? What I noticed the difference was is that the clients who were unsuccessful and me, we were both focusing on the wrong thing. We were focusing on behavior rather than what caused the behavior. And it's this aha that has led me to develop the three steps that we're going to be talking about this morning. The truth is, people don't accidentally stumble into failure. They think their way into it. So the first step is to step back. And we need to step back so that we could see more clearly. Romans 12, 1-2, Paul says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercies, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve God's will, his pl good, pleasing, and perfect will. J.B. Phillips' translation of verse 2 says, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold. Isn't that beautiful? So Paul here, true to form, is not focusing on a whole list of do's and don'ts. He's talking about if we want to discern between worldly ways and God's ways, we need to start with renewing our mind and having the Holy Spirit renew that mind. So how do we open ourselves to being renewed by the Holy Spirit? What do we do? That all the things we know to be doing, we're in prayer. We're in the word. We have relationship with other people who are also seeking truth and are speaking that into our lives. So we have those relationships that help us to do that. So let me show you how this actually works in our brains. 
It's a neurological pathway. The very first step is a thought or a belief. You have a thought or belief, and then that thought or belief leads to a feeling. That feeling then leads to behavior, and behavior then leads to results, yes. Thought, feeling, behavior, result. So let me provide an example. Is there anyone in here named Ashley? Okay, good. So I'm going to use Ashley as an example. Let's say that we have a woman named Ashley who, is, who has the belief that she's unlikable or unlovable. Have you ever known anybody who, who feels that way? What is the resulting feeling? Shame. I heard shame, yeah. Shame. Unworthiness. Not being good enough. If somebody feels shame, what does their behavior tend to reflect? Like, for example, if Ashley gets invited to parties or potlucks or things like that, do you think she's going to go? No. She's going to isolate. And then isolation leads to having a lot of friends? No. Isolation leads to not having a lot of relationships and then confirming the belief that she's unlikable and unlovable. What do we call this in layman's terms? Self-fulfilling prophecy, that's exactly it. Self-fulfilling prophecy. How we spend our time, the habits we create, it's all a reflection of our thoughts. So how we react to events, to people, to our environment, it's all formulated up here first. Bless you. We don't do or say anything that we haven't thought of, whether we realize it or not. I love what Byron Katie says. A thought is harmless unless we believe it. It's not our thoughts, but our attachment to our thoughts that causes suffering. Attaching to a thought means believing that it's true without inquiring. A belief is a thought that we've been attaching to often for years. So, you, everybody got their picture? Okay, good. And I don't mind if you want to take pictures, feel free, any of the slides. So what I want you to do is take out the very front page that talks about distorted thinking. Okay, so sprint right here. And let's go through those five top cognitive distortions. Distorted thinking, cognitive distortions, sabotaging thoughts, however you want to think about them. The first one, all or nothing thinking. Think of that as perfectionism, black or white. If I can't do it right, why bother doing it? You mess up one day, ugh, forget it. I can't get it right. Everybody know what I mean by that? Okay, recovering perfectionist right here. <laughs> Number two is absolutes. That's always and never. Right? I always mess up. He never takes out the trash. She always, always never, absolutes. Number three is discounting the positive. Discounting the positive. That is not even acknowledging that either anything in your life, what you've done is worthwhile, or saying things like, anybody could have done it. It's no big deal. The fourth one is focusing on the negative. And you can probably see how focusing on the negative and discounting the positive go hand in hand. And then number five, emotional reasoning. That is, I feel 
therefore I am. But what step is feelings in the neurological pathway? Two, yes. It's the second. So we can't just take feelings at face value and, and ascribe truth to them. We need to dig in and see where that's coming from, okay? Any questions about those distortions? These are not the only ones. We can probably think of others like people-pleasing. Anybody, anybody? Yeah, yeah, okay. So what I want you to do is I'm gonna have you get into groups of, let's say three. If you have two, you have four, that's fine. But what I want you to do is talk together, have some conversation, and I want you to identify what is the top distortion, sabotaging thought, whatever you want to call it, that you tend to go to, that you see drives a lot of what you do, okay? And I'm going to ask you to have one person be sort of the leader of the group, and the leader of the group means two things. One, make sure everybody has a chance to talk, because if you have someone like me in the group, I could take up all the time and not let the rest of you contribute. But I want all of you to be able to really wrestle with this and, and figure yours out. Secondly, when I call time, because a lot of women wood floor, it gets very loud. When I call time, I want you to all say, okay, bring it on back, okay? Awesome. So get in your groups of three, and we're gonna take a good five minutes, okay? All right, we're going to come on back if you want to wrap up your conversation and come back to the front. Yeah, time. Maybe I'll try what Marnie does. Five, four, three, two, one. I'm going to have to thank her. That was awesome. But it works when there's like 40-something of us. When there's 80 people in here, I don't think I can be heard. So, awesome. Anybody willing to share what they noticed? Any, were there any ahas, anything you were surprised about? Or was it like, yeah, that's what I do, all right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anybody else feel like you fit more than one of those? Yeah. Yeah. Anyone else willing to share? Yes. Yes, yes. That's great. Yeah, did you hear that? what she said? She said she's learned to challenge thoughts that are causing certain feelings like, say, anxiousness, something like that. Um, yeah, beautiful. So the challenge is once you notice it, you're like, you really become aware of it, and you're like, oh, wow, the thoughts create the feelings, create the behavior, create the result. The tendency is something like this. I'm going to uh, say two words to you right now. I, I want you to listen to them very, very carefully. Then I want you to take them out of the office with you and incorporate them in, into your life. Well, shall I uh, write them down? 
well, it, if it makes you comfortable, it's just two words. Most we find most people can uh, can remember them. <laughs> okay. You ready? Yes. Okay. You're, you're there. Stop it. <laughs> New word, IT. So, what are you saying? <laughs> you, you know, it's funny. I, I, I say two simple words, and I cannot tell you the amount of people who say exactly the same thing you're saying. I mean, this, you know, this is not Yiddish, Catherine. This is English. Stop it. So, I should just stop it. There you go. But I, I'm compelled to. My mom used to call me. No, 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 no. No, we, de- we don't go there. But I've been having this dream. No, we don't go there either. But my horoscope did say... We definitely don't go there. Just, <laughs> just stop it. So that is pretty awesome, isn't it? And that's the challenge, though, that we have, is we, when we realize this, we identify that we have this all-or-nothing thinking, for example well, I just need to stop it, buck up, get over it, and stop doing it. And the truth is that these distortions, these sabotaging thoughts, have probably been with you for a while. And so it's going to take time and energy to be able to focus on those and and sort of undo them. So you simply noticing is a critical first step. So I want to share with you an example of my client, Teresa. She sat in a room just like this a few years ago, and what she had noticed was the absolutes and the all-or-nothing type of thinking. And so, for example, she rarely exercised, believing that she could never stick with it for long. So guess what? She didn't. She was losing some weight counting points, but she feared that when she stopped doing that, that she would gain it all back. And why? Because it had happened before. Of course, it was going to happen again. Another sabotaging thought we always believe if we don't have belief experience that shows us something can be done, we keep thinking this is all that's possible and we keep repeating it. So when she hired me, she had taken that first critical step of noticing. And together we worked to shift her mindset and develop strategies so when that attitude did present, she was able to refocus and not let that derail her from her healthy habits. And so now when stressful situations arise, that would typically lead to her giving up, that all-or-nothing type of thinking, she's able to refocus and stay on track. And today she loves exercising. She says it's something that she enjoys rather than resisting it. And no longer counting points, anything like that, lost the weight she needed to lose, has kept it off for well over a year. But this is the best part. Teresa said it's like being freed from a self-imposed prison of all-or-nothing because that's what she had done. She had kept herself in that prison. So the question is, how do you flip the script? How do you change it to have your mindset start working for you? Right? That's what you want to start doing, is flipping that script. And that brings us to step two. And this is stepping up and seeking God's perspective. 19 years ago, I find myself sitting next to a psychotherapist at a business networking meeting. And we are talking about women and aging, and she said something to me that I will always remember. She said, Heather, in our culture, a woman's power is in her youth and beauty. 
Well, I was in my early 30s at the time, newly married, so of course in the best shape of my life, and I thought, oh, I got this handled. The problem was I really ingrained that as true. And there was plenty to feed that belief because people have always told me, oh, you look so young, you look so young. And I would say things like, how, how young do you think I am? <laughs> Honestly, right? It fed that desire to look young. And in many groups I'm a part of, I've been the young one, especially being in public office when I first started seven years ago. Oh, it's so good to have young people involved. I'd be like, you're welcome. <laughs> All right, crazy. But those comments have faded, perhaps with my hair color, which people will ask, you let your hair go, why'd you let your hair go? And I said, no, I'm letting it be. I'm letting it be, that's my, that's my term. But I've had to admit to myself that I'm not that young person anymore. And I've had to wrestle with who am I if I'm not young? So I've had to ask some good questions, to ask powerful questions, ones that are empowering, like what is God's truth about who I am? And if I'm honest, my concentration on being young was, well, less than helpful. Because if I'm to have my mind transformed by the Holy Spirit, it doesn't matter whether her statement about our culture is true or not. It doesn't matter whether I'm young or not. All of that is irrelevant. So I've had to rewire this belief that I had made space for in my mind. And it's taken being very honest and vulnerable it's been a journey of seeking God's truth and knowing that it is far more beautiful than the truth that was presented to me. And it means that I have to focus on that truth continually. It's not one and done. So here's something that has been very helpful for me. Paul's letter to the Romans, he says, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. Now first, we do need to consider Paul's discussion of flesh and spirit in the proper context. This is not a dualism. This is not, you know, flesh body bad, spirit good. He's talking about the whole person, but he's talking about where our focus is. So in the book, The Soul of Shame by Dr. Kurt Thompson, he references Paul's discussion in Romans and he says this, to have one's mind set on something is essentially about paying attention. What do I pay attention to? Paul says that what we pay attention to doubles back and governs us. Let me repeat that. Paul says that what we pay attention to doubles back and governs us. Hence, our attention is deeply associated with either death or life. So Paul is essentially a first century neuropsychologist, right? But this isn't new to him. It's in his tradition. It is weaved throughout Jesus' teachings. What he's talking about is our attention. So what do we pay attention to? That's what we need to look at. Uh, in 2016, the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics reported that over the age of 15, we watch an average of 2.7 hours of TV a day, which is about 19 hours a week. We also have work, right? We have the internet. We have social media. We have scrolling through all sorts of apps and things. Uh, we've got podcasts, books, different things that we listen to, and then, of course, magazines. And there's more than this, right? There's plenty more. 
Now, are any of these inherently good or bad? No. But it's up to us to discern, right? To discern which of these are life-giving and which of them are life-draining. So we really need to consider what do we pay attention to. And how is how we spend our time affecting our thoughts, especially the distortions, the sabotaging thoughts? How is it feeding those thoughts? So now we are on to replacing your sabotaging thought with truth. You're gonna go back into your groups and take the top distortion. So you may have many that you resonated with, uh, or you may have a hard time picking between two. Don't let that stop you. We like to let confusion, and I don't know, just pick one, just pick one, and change it. Talk with each other, ask the spirit to be in that conversation, that the spirit is showing you what is true. Now, sometimes the tendency is to go from this super negative thing to this super positive thing, such as if you have the thought of, I always mess up. You then wanna go to, I'm always successful. Does that feel real? No, and it's not, it's not true. So truth might look something more like, I'm a human being, I fail, I succeed, I'm a mixture of both, and God loves me. Just make that up, right? I mean, I just made that up. I'm not telling you you have to make something up. But that feels good, doesn't it? Hey, sometimes I mess up, sometimes I get it right, and God loves me regardless. So what is the truth that you want to use to replace the sabotaging thought, the distortion that you have playing in your head? Any questions? All right, yes. Yes, thank you. Oh, that's just, that's just uh, my logo, my Weight Breakthrough logo. Yeah, it's not, yeah, I put that on all my slides, so it, cool, yeah, yeah, it's super cute. All right, awesome. So I will walk around if you have any questions while you're doing this, I'm available, and go. All right, we're gonna go ahead and come on back. I've enjoyed being part of your conversations. All right, we're gonna go with five, four, three, two, one, and oh, thank you, Marnie. I've gotta go, I gotta go give her some cash for that one. That was awesome. Anybody wanna share their change? What you went from this to this. Yes. Um, all of us uh, struggle with perfectionism. <laughs> so, you know, I was saying that there's so many things you feel like you should do during the day, and, you know, I don't have enough time or I can't do it right, but, you know, all these shoulds kind of stack mm -hmm. up. Yes. Yes. How does that change the emotion? Like, what's the feeling from should to could? It makes it more. It makes it more 
Look at that, lighter, easier, more fun. When are, where, how are you gonna, what's the behavior that's gonna come out of lighter, easier, more fun than this heaviness of should? There's gonna be joy in it, right? Yeah. Yeah, feel like you got something done. You're not counting all the stuff you didn't do. Here. Yeah, nice, thank you. So step three is stepping out. We can choose to be positive, to step out in faith and to have courage that when we fail, we'll be able to learn from it. That God is with us whether we are successful or not. Because the truth is that when we step out, we will fail, but we can choose to keep going. In 1994, two years before taking the big step to leave KPMG, I started taking night classes at UCLA in biology, exercise, physiology, biomechanics. And I was dating a classmate during the time, and he said to me, you think you're gonna quit your accounting job and go be a personal trainer? Like, oh, good question. But as the months ticked by, I grew increasingly dissatisfied with my work, but still, I did not know what I was going to do. The next year, the health club chain LA Fitness became a client of the firm. And man, I scraped and I got myself onto that engagement. Still, I did not know how this was going to proceed. Then one day, in July 1996, almost three months after my goal-setting strategy session at the beach, that's what I like to refer to it rather than a meltdown, I was walking back to my office from lunch when I got the answer to prayer. I will tell you at the time, I thought it was my brilliant idea. You know how you later on go, oh, Lord, thank you. But yeah, very clear. Take Paul, the CFO of LA Fitness to lunch, offer to work part-time in the accounting department, and start your personal training business. What? It was so clear, scary as all get out, but I did it. The next week I took Paul to lunch. Within 72 hours, I was giving my notice at KPMG. Two weeks later, I started at LA Fitness as their assistant controller, and I had signed on my first personal training client. So in order to step out, especially when you want to do, make significant changes, it helps to focus on one particular area, right? It would be hard to say focus on making a career change while you also are, say, trying to make some significant health improvements, or maybe you have some big relationship challenges that you're working through. So it helps to focus on one thing, and that is where the wheel comes in. So I want you to, to turn to the wheel of life satisfaction. Don't you like that term? Wheel of life satisfaction. All right, so let's go over the areas of the wheel and then I'll tell you what we're going to do with it. So if we start at the top right, you have family and friends. So that's just kind of your relationship with family and friends. Whether it's the quality of the relationship, how many family and friends you have. Then finances, that can be debt, savings, retirement, any of that. Physical environment is the next one. And physical environment represents, you know, where do you hang out the most and how do you feel about that physical environment? It could be your home. It, does it feel cozy and inviting or are you feeling cluttered and anxious when you're at home? It could be at work. It could be in your car. If you say you're in sales and you spend a lot of time in your car, you do a lot of traveling. Uh, then you have the next section is body, health, self-care. Then your significant other, if applicable. 
The next section is spiritual and personal growth. And then you've got work, career, contribution. If you're retired, think of it as contribution, what you do in your community, in your, at your church, how you contribute. And then finally, you know, fun, recreation, creativity. Any question about these areas? They're fairly self-explanatory, no? Okay. So what I want you to do is I want you to consider what a satisfying life would look like in each of those areas, okay? If you were satisfied, really like, just feel like you're firing on all cylinders, what would it look like? Then what I want you to ask yourself is, compared to that, how satisfied am I right now? How satisfied am I right now? This is on a scale from one to 10. I keep feeling like I'm... All right, can you hear? I don't want the audio to have the in it, and that's what I felt like it was doing. All right. So you're going to look at what does an ideal life look like? What is my satisfaction level right now on a scale from one to 10? So at the middle of the circle is a zero. If the outer edge is a 10, one to 10, where are you? So you can see in this example, see the upper left quadrant is a two, and so you would draw a line like cut the pie at a two. You can see the one next to it is a five, is in the middle, the one to the right of that is an eight. So you can kind of see where you would draw those lines depending upon what your level of satisfaction is. Does that make sense? Okay. So go ahead and look at those eight categories. Think briefly what a satisfying life would look like in those areas and go ahead and rate them. You don't need to share this, so don't worry about it. You don't need to talk with your neighbor about it. Just take a couple of minutes. Don't overthink it. Don't overthink it. Don't think about what it should be. Just think about what it is currently. Use the first number that pops into your head. Take about another 30 seconds. Again, no, don't overthink it. Just for you perfectionists out there, you can change it later. Don't have to get it right right now. All right. Now what I would like you to think about, everybody got their wheel done? Okay. I want you to think about which area would you most like to improve? It does not have to be the lowest one. It does not have to be the lowest one. It is your choice. Identify the one area that you would most like to work on. What would have the greatest impact on your well-being right now? Where do you feel the tug of the spirit to put some focus? Circle it and we'll get, we're gonna come back to that, okay? And again, if you're choosing between two, just pick one right now. Whichever one you pick will be the right one. Okay, you got it? All right, good. Now. Let's come back to where we started. My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen to my words. Never let them get away from you. Remember them and keep them in your heart. They will give life and health to anyone who understands them. Be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. How many of you have heard this passage before? Right? Is anyone shocked really by the thoughts leading to results in the end? Anyone shocked by this information? No. 
why then don't we actually follow through with it? Why do we keep spinning in what we've always done rather than getting out of it? I think we almost don't believe it. Like we hear it, but then part of it too is it can feel like hard work. And guess what? It is. But that's okay, it's worthwhile. But what I want to share with you is it is going to be very easy for you to think, oh, yeah, yeah, I've heard this before. Yeah, yeah, okay, and feel motivated and then walk out of here and that motivation wanes in a period of time. But I really want you to understand that this does work. In 1992, there was a finger strengthening study. A study might be a strong word, but they took a group of folks, split them into two, and gave one group finger-strengthening exercises to do. Doesn't that sound exciting? Finger-strengthening exercises for 30 minutes. I mean, that's like my fingers would be like, ugh, and I'd do a lot of typing. Like, that would be, that would be hard. Finger-strengthening exercises, 30 minutes a day, Monday through Friday for four weeks. The second group did no exercise at all, but guess what they did? They vividly imagined themselves doing those same exercises. And even if they wanted, like people on the sidelines going harder, faster, stronger, you can do it. At the end of four weeks, the group doing the exercises had a 30% increase in their finger strength. The group that vividly imagined doing the exercises had a 22% increase in their finger strength. This works. The Bible's been right all along. <laughs> Right? This works. So our thoughts can go in two directions, wellness or worry. I have a friend years ago when I was kind of doing some changes in my business and I said, what do you think of when you think, hear the word wellness? And she goes, well, I think of colonics. I thought, oh, that's not good. That's not good. Because wellness really is the physical, mental, spiritual, and emotional well-being of us. So when I say wellness, I really want you to think of that whole person. So we can have our thoughts go in the area of wellness or in the, air, in the direction of worry. So when you are going in the direction of wellness, you have a clarity of purpose about your life, about who you are and whose you are. You have more energy to live out that purpose and you have the health, the vitality, and the strength to do the things that you want to do, that you need to do. And you have powerful relationships with people who are also seeking wellness. And you're making a, dif a difference. This is where tremendous transformation is possible. When you're living in this place of thriving, you can be more present in every aspect of your life. And the good news is this is a self-perpetuating cycle. But it's only good news if you're going in the direction of wellness because it's also self-perpetuating in the direction of worry, which is frustration. Frustration at a job that you don't like, at watching too much TV, at not exercising, at overeating, at overdrinking, at spending too much money. Frustration comes from being out of integrity with our values. Resentment, often towards others, we don't draw boundaries and then we feel like people are walking all over us and we get resentful. Disease, the mental, physical, spiritual manifestations of not being in integrity and of not honoring the natural rhythms of life. Overwhelm and stress, which leave us feeling very disempowered. Or unrealized potential, who you are meant to be, who you really are, gets lost when you're focused on worry. So you're going to notice there's this point in the middle here that is that, that key. And I'll share that with you in a minute, but I want to ask you, have you ever gone to the grocery store hungry? 
yeah. So you're grabbing everything, anything just to feel better. You're starving. Everything looks good. You fill up your cart. And have you ever come home the proud owner of everything on aisle five? Right. That's choosing worry over wellness. Who here has ever said yes to a request when you knew you were at capacity already? Yeah. Who here has ever felt that feeling of what's the use when everything seems to be going wrong? That's choosing worry instead of wellness. The key here of developing those positive habits is identifying what you can control. That is the key. What can you control? Let me start with this, what can't you control? Other people, can't control other people. How many of you try? <laughs> me too, yeah. Uh, what else can't you control? The weather, the stock market, <laughs> right? All sorts of circumstances that we can't control, but what can we control? Ourselves, our thoughts, our behavior, right? We can control those things. So that is the key is how do you focus, right? Focusing on wellness versus focusing on worry. So here are the actions that you take if you are in wellness. So you are in prayer, right? You're in prayer and you're seeking God's truth and guidance as you navigate challenges, right? Because just because you start using your mind and thinking and feeling and, and doing all of that, when you really take that seriously, it doesn't mean you never have challenges. Life still throws stuff at you. You still have hard times to deal with, but you can deal with it better. You're aware of your limits, and you say no when it's appropriate. You take self-care seriously, nutrition, exercise, downtime, sleep. And you are investing your time in people and activities that feed your soul and fulfill your purpose. And here are the actions that you're taking when you're in worry. You say yes to every request because you feel like you should, and consequently, you're overcommitted and exhausted. Or you use food to avoid negative feelings rather than learning how to process those feelings in a powerful and positive way. You can substitute food with wine, Facebook, TV. You're regularly stressed and anxious about the future. But to get out of worry and spiral up to wellness, you have to focus on what you can control, not what you can't. So, what I want you to do now is turn to your final worksheet. You're going to notice that it is printed portrait rather than landscape. And that's okay, we can make this work. And I'm happy to also send you a copy of this. Actually, anybody who uh, asks me for the, uh, for the free uh, uh, tools and stuff, I'll send you the action brainstorming worksheet too. So what I want you to do is you've identified one area on the wheel, right? Write that area at the top of your action brainstorming worksheet. So if it was finances, if it was health, relationship, environment, creativity, fun, spiritual growth, write that at the top. And I want you to consider, how do you currently spend time in this area? How would you like to spend time in this area? Go back to what does that look like? What would make it a score of 10? Just think about that. Now, 
if you're at a score of, say, two, you don't have to jump to a score of 10. Ask yourself, what would it take to get me to a five? Start with small steps. How can you make space in your life for these changes that you're going to need to make? And what help and support might you need from others to make these changes? So you're going to use the action brainstorming worksheet. There are, you can see up here, five columns, and you've got four of them. But you guys are smart, and we'll figure out how to make it work. So look at the things, the actions that you could stop doing right now. So for example, uh, you know, if we're talking health, I'm going to do an obvious one. You could stop smoking. Right? But what are the things that you could stop? What are the things that you could do less of? Then look at what you would want to start doing. Or what could you do more of? And then also think about what do you want to keep doing? Because realize that you are doing something in that area that you want to keep doing. Okay. So I want you to take a few minutes and come up with some ideas. As many as you can. I want you to brainstorm the heck out of this thing. And be specific enough that you know how to take the action. So for example, uh, something that probably many of us could put on an action brainstorming worksheet to stop doing would be procrastinating. But how do you just stop procrastinating? Well, pick a specific instance of when you procrastinate. So for example, I had a client last year and one of the things she procrastinated doing is she would have a project mid-afternoon that she didn't feel like working on, so where would she go? The kitchen cupboard. <laughs> and she would eat. And so that was her way of procrastinating and pushing off. So she could have a very specific, you know, stop snacking in the afternoon, start, you know, put a timer on, start work, 30 minutes, work on this project, right? So that would be something specific that she could do to stop procrastinating. So when you, if you kind of come at those macro level things, how do you start working it down to the micro? Because this is small steps we're talking about. Small steps, big results. So go, let's take a few minutes and do this. Maybe three minutes, as many as you can come up with. And remember to add the start column at the bottom, the start stuff at the bottom. Take about another minute and see if you can come up with at least a dozen more. You have to write fast, but it's okay. Come up with at least one more and write it down. And if you ever hear yourself saying, I don't know, ask yourself, pretend I do know, what would it be? All right. So you should have a good list of things that you can start taking action on towards something that you've identified that's really important to you. And now what I'm going to ask you to do is sort of two, two pieces here. And here's the thing. I really want you to do these things because otherwise we've done nothing more than have a pleasant conversation here that in about a week you'll forget about.
in a month, you won't even remember my name. And the handouts will be somewhere in the recycle bin, okay? So I want you to take action on these. Here are the two things that I want you to do. Number one, you came up with a sabotaging thought and a way to change that into truth, right? I want you to take that truth statement, I want you to write it in a positive statement, positive and present tense, and I want you to write that down somewhere where you are going to see it and read it every single morning. And if you're sitting there going, oh, really, Heather? I want you to remember finger strengthening, finger strengthening, it works. So I want you to write that down every morning wherever you're gonna see it, whether it's your journal, your Bible, your bathroom mirror, I don't care, anywhere, okay? Anybody got a question about what that is? Because I'm getting some looks. Some of you probably, I'm not making sense to you, so tell me what. Write down the truth. So if in that example I had given you of, you know, I always mess things up. The truth was sometimes I make mistakes, sometimes I get it right, and God loves me. That's just an example. Um, sometimes we need a, a bridge truth, right? Because we can't jump from this to this. And so we need something like, I have the ability to make healthy choices. I am open to new opportunities. You know, if you're feeling stuck in something, um, we were talking about it over there, feeling stuck that we have to do something, when really we know that those are choices, if we can just simply say, I choose this, that starts to shift how you're thinking about it. So whatever that positive statement is for you, and if you want to talk to me about it afterwards, or if you want, want to email me and, ha and help me get that, help you hone that in, I'm happy to. Say that every morning. Then the next thing I want you to do is take one of your action steps that is so specific and small, easy, that you know how to do it, that you could do it in this next week. I want you to circle it, and I want you to commit to doing that by, next, by this coming Friday. I want you to take one of your actions from the action brainstorming worksheet that you could do by Friday. I want you to circle it and I want you to commit to doing that by Friday. If it's an ongoing thing, well then you're gonna start it this week. What day are you gonna start that? It's gonna be 3 p.m. on Wednesday. Or it could be a simple phone call that you need to make. An inquiry, a website you need to visit to get information, a conversation you need to have with someone, whatever it is. It could be signing up for Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University. I don't know. So pick what your thing is, put it in your calendar, and do it. All right? Those are the two things I want you to do. Homework slide. Should have been up. All right. Have you ever been driving down the freeway to a familiar place and suddenly realize you've been zoned out and thinking about something else and you can't recall the last five miles? Kind of freaks you out a little bit. The habit of driving to a familiar place is so ingrained that we don't have to think about it. And instead, you're probably thinking about what you should have said to your boss when she criticized your work, what you've got to get for dinner that night, or what your plans are for the weekend. Your attention isn't on the act of driving, you're on autopilot. And so here's the thing, our habits are like that. They're so ingrained that we don't have to think about them. And then we wonder why we keep doing what we don't want to do. So, it requires our attention to continually identify our distorted thinking, to consciously seek out and replace it with God's truth, and then to take action on it. And success does come from being detailed to watch what you're doing, to pay attention to what you're doing today versus yesterday, and really to keep track of things. So how do you keep track of the details? 
How will you plan to do that? Give me some ideas. Journaling. And so if you journal and you set yourself like every morning at this time or every day at this time, not, okay, sometime today, because it'll never happen, but when you write things in your calendar like you do a doctor's appointment, like you made that commitment to yourself, yeah. So if you say, I'm going to journal, maybe you just look at your thoughts for 10 minutes every day. You write those down. You'll be amazed at what's up here, right? Maybe you have a friend. Maybe you came with someone and you can look at each other and say, hey, I committed to do this on Tuesday morning. Oh, good, I've committed to do this Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And then connect with each other. Maybe text each other during the week. Maybe that's something that you can do. And I just want to offer to you that if what you are looking at changing in your life has anything to do on the health and well-being front, I would be happy to partner with you if you could use support. And so on that freebie page where I'm going to send you all of those fun things like the nine health habits to avoid, I'll send you the action brainstorming worksheet. If all you want is that, just pass that in to me. But if you'd like to have a conversation, uh, which would basically look at what it is you want to achieve for your health and well-being, what's getting in your way, and does it make sense for us to work together further. If you'd like to have that conversation, go ahead and check that box, and I'll get in touch with you, and we'll get on the calendar, okay? So lastly, I want you to remember there is no such thing as failure, only feedback. Isn't that beautiful? I don't know where that comes from, because it's anonymous, but only feedback. All right. Shall we close in prayer together? All right. Oh, most gracious God, we thank you that you have brought these beautiful women together, your precious daughters. And Lord, I pray that they would remember that they are your precious daughters, that that is the truth, the core truth of who they are, that they belong to you. And help us all as we go about our day, our week, our life, that, we, that you, Spirit, root out this distortions, the distorted thinking that we have, the ways of thinking that are not serving you, that are not serving us. And you help us to replace it with what is true, with what you have planned for us. And knowing that you have our back when we step out in faith and we do what you've called us to do. Precious Jesus, we pray in your name. Amen. Thank you, ladies. Thank you.